Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life, wherever you are worshiping. We are so glad to have you worshiping with us, especially if you're a guest more than ever. We always say we're grateful you take time to worship with us. And Well, the honest truth is right now your internet goes anywhere. And so if you're here with us, we are more grateful than ever. Uh, speaking of the internet, I, I just want to take a moment and wherever you are, I'm personally incredibly grateful that we have this tool right now. I hope many of you are thankful as well. You know, God has always moved throughout history in such a way that timing and what he was doing always lined up. Matter of fact, about 2,000 years ago, I don't know if you realize this is actually the way that it worked out, but as Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, he gave his followers a mission to go and spread the gospel to all of the known world. And at that time, there were two tools that made that possible more than any time in, in history before that. That was the, the Greek language and the Roman road system. And as a result of that, in just a few years, the gospel had spread to almost all of the known world at that time could have never been done in hundreds or thousands of years prior to that. So God's move was perfectly lining up with what was happening in today. And I personally believe that is what God is doing right now. Because as this virus has come, as the, the public gatherings of the church seem to be shut down virtually all over the world, there are more people probably attending than before because we're gathering up in homes, we're inviting our friends, people who are hungry and are searching. And so this technology, I know that God's not surprised by the virus, we may be, but he's not. And I believe he has set his church up for a time to do amazing things. So, well, here's the deal. I think just like me, you are waking up every single day to an absolutely new reality. You hear another news article. There's been another change. Matter of fact, for us, we actually worshiped live in this building just seven days ago. Uh, and then we go home and suddenly no longer can you gather in groups of 100. And then by the next morning, it was groups of 10. And then the next day, you had to close the dining rooms of restaurants. And so right now, our world it is just changing everything every single day. And so the truth is, we're moving along with that here at Grace Life. I want to start today by just telling you a couple of things that have changed. First of all, if you worshiped with us last Sunday, you know that we kicked off a new series, Redefining Our Vision, who we believe God has called us to be as a church. The truth is, the vision wasn't changing. How we set it and what it looked like was changing. And it was going to be all about some of these grand things we were going to do together over these coming weeks. And, well, obviously, it just seems like this is not the right time to be talking about that. That's not the primary question that's on our hearts at the moment. And so we're going we're gonna to change what we were doing. So today, I just want to talk to you about where we are as a people and the things that we're facing and what our souls are really struggling with. And then we're going to begin next week a new series that, well, it's actually going to be an upgrade and a remake of one of our favorite series we did long ago when less than half of you were at Grace Life and people have been saying, hey, could, could we do something like that again? Well, we're actually going to bring that very thing back. It's going to be something that gives you hope about Jesus and his impact in your life over these coming weeks. So invite a friend. Matter of fact, the truth is, if you've ever invited friends to church and they've kind of turned you down, there's never a better time than right now because they don't even have to meet you anywhere. They don't have to leave their homes, and they have as many questions as the rest of us. So uh, consider inviting a friend next week to worship with you at Grace Life. So today's message is called 
a wild ride. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about riding in a car with me as a wild ride. I personally would kind of refute that. I think I'm a very safe, although fast and aggressive driver. Uh, but that's what seatbelts are for and you'd be fine. But when I think of a wild ride, I think of roller coasters because I absolutely love roller coasters. As a matter of fact, my favorite thing to do is to get off of a brand new roller coaster that I've never ridden before and go, that was a wild ride. Now look, Here's the thing you've got to know about roller coasters if you've never ridden one of these before. You've got to know where they take your picture. You've got to know that moment where they're going to get a still shot of you on the wild ride because you don't want to be the person who gets a picture for the whole world to see while you're throwing up. You don't want to be the person whose picture says, this person has never ridden a roller coaster before. Look at their face to prove it. You don't want to be that person. So you've got to know where they take the picture so that at that moment you can look like, like you're having the time of your life, right? And so what I really want to talk to us about today is, since this world is truly becoming a wild ride, is what is the picture the world is going to see of us? When they look at us, when they look at what we're encountering right now, what is that picture? So the truth is, uh, we're just facing so much uncertainty. Uh, nothing is predictable anymore. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. And matter of fact, you've probably been around people, they come up to you and they start telling you a story like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm late to work today. You know, I had a flat tire and had to change it on the side of the road. And then the flat tire was, or the spare tire was flat too. And, and somebody inevitably says, yeah, man, happened to me. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Well, here's the problem with where we are today. None of us have been there, done that. We don't have this t-shirt. No one knows what it is like to be in a situation where you cannot travel internationally. You can't go. Borders are closed from here to there, from there to here. You, we've never had the t-shirt of what it's like to be told you have to stay home. You, you can't go out in groups. You've got curfews. You've, you can't go out to a, a restaurant and eat. You, you can't do anything that is absolutely normal. We don't have this t-shirt. And because we don't have this t-shirt, there's just so much uncertainty about what tomorrow holds. And when there's uncertainty, there's fear, there's anxiety, and then there are all these crazy overreactions, like toilet paper. I mean, seriously, like of all the things that people are like going out for, we're, we're having a world run on toilet paper. Now, I, I don't understand why that is number one on the list. Like, look, if I could have predicted this and knew that I needed to do some shopping, uh, I would have had toilet paper like in the top 10. It would have made the list, but chocolate would have been number one. If I'm going to like have to stay at home with no other people and find a way to survive, chocolate is my number one survival tool. Matter of fact, I think it's so strange that the whole world is talking about being out of toilet paper right now because just think about it from a different perspective. We're all like, okay, whatever, that's what's happening. Everybody's buying it. We need to get it. But, but imagine your grandchildren, when they look back at history and they study COVID-19 and they find out that there was a world run on toilet paper, they're going to have a total, complete misunderstanding of the symptoms of this disease altogether. Like, why was everybody buying toilet paper? Oh, granddad, I think I know. No, actually, we still don't know. We, we don't know why that was number one on the list. And since there are all these overreactions and so much fear and so much anxiety, I just want to like slow down and talk about the reality of what we're facing, what's going on all around us. And well, what does it mean to be a Jesus follower in such incredibly uncertain times? And so I, I've got a passage I want to share with you because it, it helps us understand that even 2,000 years ago, when believers faced uncertain times, 
This is not new for us. And, and, and there's already an answer for us right here in Scripture. It comes out of 1 Thessalonians. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will, and we're going to stop right there. He goes on to say that God will raise you from the dead also. Because look, they're facing in a huge context of uncertainty, just like you and I are today. For them, they had just heard Jesus died. Jesus was raised again. The disciples touched him. They heard from him. He taught them. And then he arose to heaven. But he says, I'm coming back. I'm going to give you the Spirit. And so look, we're just waiting. He's going to come back tomorrow. Any day now, he's going to be back. Matter of fact, this letter was actually written to a group of Christians that had quit working. They said, look, I don't need to go to work because I'm just going to hang out with my family. Jesus will be back by lunch for sure. And you can imagine they were even a little slow at going and making a sandwich for lunch. Like, am I going to waste my time making this sandwich? Jesus is going to be back any minute. And so they were just thinking, but then nothing ever happened. Matter of fact, it went on from being tomorrow to being a week to being a month to being a year. And then it became years. Then it became a decade. Then it became decades and this was written, and they were facing this at the time that was approximately 20 years after Jesus said, I'm coming back. Go and spread the gospel, but I will be back for you. And you can imagine the uncertainty that they faced as, as, as they heard, wow, did you hear, man, the disciples were just with Jesus, and he just ascended into a cloud, and he said he'll be back. Awesome. And we've got this certainty. He's coming back tomorrow, but then it's not, and then it's later. And then they face a real crisis. They start to die. And as individuals are dying, but they're saying, wait a minute. So Jesus is coming back for us, but now they're not here. And if they're not here, will they get to go to heaven? We don't know what their future looks like. What if I die before Jesus comes back? Will he still come for me? And there was so much uncertainty and so much fear, and they were gripped with that. It's kind of the same as what we face today with the coronavirus. We're asking questions like, will I get sick? Will someone I love get sick? Will someone I love maybe die? Will it get worse? How long before it gets better? How bad can things really get? And so the truth is, uncertainty is, it's not a new thing for followers of Jesus. It's kind of been our story all along. And, and there are some really important things that we just read in that passage that tell us how we're supposed to handle this uncertainty. And the first one was our response. You see, it turns out that we shouldn't respond like everybody else. Let's go back and read where it said, you need to know that so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We, we don't do what the rest of mankind does. Why? It's because we have a faith in a sovereign God. We know God is up to something. We may not understand it, but we know God is doing something and we know God can do anything. That's what our faith is in. You see, we have hope. They don't have hope because our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope is in our good God to do good for us. We have hope in the one who does that. The rest of mankind doesn't have that hope if they're not worshiping him. And that's why our response is supposed to be so different from everybody else around us. 2,000 years ago, their response was supposed to be different. And today, our response is still supposed to be different. The second thing that we saw was that our future is different. You see, or at least the way we perceive it. When we talk about uncertainty, there is nothing more uncertain to us than our future. That's just the very first thing that's going to make the list. But it said, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And since we know that happened, 
we also believe that God will, again, in their context, God will raise you from the dead also. Same power, same God. What God did for Jesus when he raised him from the dead, God will do in your life. He will raise you from the dead too. And so for us, the same thing is, can we believe that God will if we know and we believe that Jesus died and rose again, can we believe that God will do the same? It's the same power and the same God. So what can we believe that God will do for us? Romans 8 tells us, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Matter of fact, his word also reminds us, God says, look, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future. We may not know what the future holds. It may be uncertain to us, but it is not uncertain to him. He knows what the future holds. Look, we, we don't know what's going on. How can God use this for good? Well, I, I talked a little bit about it. I believe the church is going to come out of this stronger than ever because of, of the internet and the reach that it's having right now. You know, we've talked about what, the, what is going on with our schedules and the craziness of that. And I'm reminded personally of Psalm 23 that says, the Lord makes me lie down. And so I'm at a time right now where you, you just got to slow down. There is less going on, less places to go. A lot of events are canceled, and we're actually having time to, to sit and to think a little bit more and to, to pray a little bit more and to talk to God and to make the, the relationships that are right beside us, the ones in our very homes that we tend to ignore and run past, we're, we're having to spend a little more time with them. So I, I don't know. I think in 10 years we'll be able to look back and give a huge list of what we see God doing Right now, we're not sure what it'll be, but we know that he holds the future. The third thing that we see is different for us is, is how we feel. You see, the passage says, look, you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, but we grieve. We do grieve. See, here's the reality. All of mankind is filled with emotions right now. There is anxiety. There is fear. There, is, there are so many things that are happening, and we feel those things too. Our hearts will feel but the rest of mankind is driven by those feelings, whereas believers are driven by their faith. It's dramatically different because we feel, but then we take our feelings to God, and they get filtered. Our feelings are filtered by our faith in a good God. Now, look, man, that, that preaches really good, doesn't it? I mean, if you're a believer watching me right now, you're hearing that, and I hope you're kind of cheering that on. I hope that raised you off your couch a little bit to say an amen with that, but if you haven't been a believer very long, you may think that actually sounds a little like a platitude, Jimmy. Or if you're not a believer at all, you may say that sounds exactly like what a preacher would say right now. Just have faith and don't worry about what you feel. And, and it seems a little hollow. So the, the truth is, I want to talk about what that looks like for real. Not just to give you uh, the idea that you're supposed to hold on to faith. I mean, it, we are. Matter of fact, we've seen all over social media, we've been posting verses that encourage us to hold on to our faith. I posted some myself where our faith is supposed to override our feelings. But there is a very real question that I think we need to address, and that is, how do we be real? What does it mean to be honest about what we feel without being driven by the emotions that we feel, right? Does that make sense? Like, you ever been around somebody fake and, and then they just pretend that, you know, like they're the Christian with no problems and you just want to like slap them silly? Like, you go up to somebody who's really, maybe you know for a fact, uh, they've been in your small group, you've been watching them go through something, they've been asking you to pray with them, and so they're in a place where their finances are just devastated. Whatever the situation is, uh, it doesn't matter, but they're in a place, maybe they've, they've faced bankruptcy and, and nothing is good, and you come up to them and say, hey man, how are you doing? 
doing right now in these financial difficulties, and they say, man, I am just rich in God. And you want to look at them and go, like, dude, you couldn't buy yourself a Happy Meal right now. Like, why are you saying that? Like, you, you, Your riches may be like in your future in heaven, streets of gold there, but right now like, you can't do anything for yourself. So seriously, man, give me, give me some honesty. Like, don't you really just want that person to look at you and say, well, the truth is, man, it is a little bit tough. I, I, was, I thought I would go to McDonald's for lunch, and I figured out I don't have enough money for a Happy Meal. So, yeah, let's talk about that. And, and so that's what I really want us to do is, is to talk about what does it really mean to be someone who is driven by their faith but isn't fake and, and shows the world the honesty of what's going on in our souls. And I'm going to tell you the truth. As I got ready to do this message this week, the question God gave me at the beginning, and it was just right there, the problem is that the answer is something I had to go and talk to God about for a while because there, it wasn't an easy answer. And as I was thinking, wait a minute, how can we be honest and how can we be real, uh, but how can we also be driven more by our faith than what we're feeling? I was automatically drawn to King David, who, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he wrote the majority of our Psalms. And if, if you've ever read Psalms, you know, he, he writes one Psalms and he says, God, you are so good and worthy of praise. And then you turn the page and he says, God, where have you gone? What have you done? You know, uh, he, he, he knows what it's like to experience something that doesn't feel great. And, and so he was able to express those feelings. He was very honest with God about those feelings. But what happened, if you go back and you read them very closely, he always knew who he was. And it was something deep in his identity that overrode what was going on around him. And so I think the answer, at least the one I'm going to suggest to you, because look, I'm just another human going through the same COVID-19 crisis right now. But, but what I'm going to suggest to you is it comes from which one of our identities we operate out of. Because here's the thing, every one of us, we have multiple identities. You know, we've all got a human identity, and, and that really is what I think has a lot of us reeling right now and freaking out, because when we look at our human identity, what we discover is we're really small. God is big, and we, we discover as an individual human, we control virtually nothing. Like, there's a big picture. God's in control of the big picture, and you and I, we, we can't change that. We can't move the planets. We, we can't change the, the ending and the beginning, and, and, and we discover how small we are. And, and humans, well, we really like life on earth. And so when life on earth becomes uncertain, we start to freak out. And we do this thing where we say, oh, no, who knows what tomorrow holds? Oh, no, we could die. Of course. I mean, all of that. You're right. We don't know what tomorrow holds as a mere human and all humans will actually die. But when we come into connection with that reality, we freak out. We also all have a professional identity. Now, I've been talking this week to business owners, and, and I've had some say, look, man, this is really hard. I'm a business owner. Because I'm a business owner, I have a right to be a little bit worried. We're shut down. We're having the worst month in the last 10 years. We, we don't know what we're going to do. If this goes on, I don't know if I'm going to be a business owner much longer. We all have a personality identity. And look, there are so many ways to talk about personalities. There are all kinds of personality tests you can take and everything. Uh, I've got a, a bunch of people around me right now that like to talk about their Enneagram number. And boy, let me just tell you, this week, some numbers have come to life. That's, that's about all I'm going to say about that. If you know about sixes, I, I'm married to a six. Some of the people on my staff are sixes. And, and so, you know, sixes just think, wonder what is the worst that could happen and uh, so there are numbers everywhere. I'm an eight. And here's the reality. I've got every one of those identities. You see, as a human, I'm a son. I've got a mom who is, well, she is 76 years old and 
and she's in the list of the people who would be most susceptible to COVID-19. And so I called her to check on her and say, hey, are you staying home? Are you staying safe? And she's like, oh, no, I went to church last week. I worked in the nursery and held all the babies. And I'm thinking, Mom, seriously, you shouldn't be holding all these babies that, like, touch everything and, and put everything in their mouth, and then you, you touch them. And, and, and so I, I'm a son, and, and I'm a father and, and a husband, and I've got a family of six, and you know, our oldest son, he still works a job. He has to go out every day and work in the public world of what's going on now and then come into the house. And who knows if he's bringing the virus with them. And I've got three kids that were excited for like a day that school was canceled for the rest of the month. And then when they found out they were going to have to do school at home, then they went from being excited to being little monsters. And, and so then I'm married to a social butterfly that just she wants to get out of the house. She's, she's so stuck from being able to get in contact with everybody else. And now she's been turned into the homeschooler for the little monsters. And, and when I come home, I'm pretty tired. I've been managing a lot of pretty big decisions and trying to figure out what we're going to do the next day and the next week here at Grace Life. And I walk in the door and I'm her first adult human contact of the day. And, and so it's, it's like, what? you know, and, and so there's just so much going on. I've got a professional identity as a business leader, so to speak, and uh, of this organization, it's, it's known as a church, and it impacts the lives of well over a thousand people, and then we've got a staff and people who will hope to, to have income still coming from this organization as time moves forward with no one knowing what the future would look like, and trying to shepherd them and their souls through this as some people have those, those different numbers. And, and well, the truth is, like I said, I'm an eight. And uh, an eight means I'm going to conquer the world and nothing's going to stand in my way. And, and I like to think that that's, you know, what Jesus wants me to do. I'm going to conquer the world for Jesus and nothing's going to stand in my way. So, you know, we were here last Sunday because no one had told us we couldn't. And so we're all thinking, man, we're going to worship Jesus and we're going to launch this new vision and we're still going to do this thing. No, no, nothing's going to stop us. That's just the way it is. And but this past week, I've had to look at all of those identities, my human identity, and make sure that, that I'm not more of a worried father or a worried son. And I've, I've had to, to look at my professional identity and say, well, actually, I'm just a leader of God's business. And so I'm pretty sure God will take care of his business. And if he doesn't, then I guess he's got other plans. And so then when it comes to my eight, I have to make sure that I, I understand that my eight has to be set aside because the eight in me just wants to keep doing whatever I had planned and move on at high speed and, and, and just do whatever we can do to make the greatest opportunity of this. And if I operate as an eight, if I say I'm a worried father, if I say I'm a, I'm a business leader, if I say but I'm an eight, then I can end up running over people around me and not taking time to be sensitive and not taking time to just stop and say, you know, God, I want to just go full steam ahead, but maybe you've got another plan. And so I've had to set all of those identities aside this week and operate out of another one. And that's what I think the answer to the question is. How can we be real? How can we be authentic? But how can we be faithful people to this world right now? And there's one more identity that's inside of us, and it's our Christian identity. You see that passage said, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. 
And so we believe that God will. Who is we in that passage? We is exactly what it said. Those who believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the King of kings. Jesus is Lord. He is your Savior. You, when we say we, you are the ones who, who say, I'm a child of God. We are worshiping today because we know who he is. And that means we know who we are in relation to him. And so that means we're different. Psalm 46, the people of God. When they were saying, we, in a difficult time, said, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. We will not fear. And here's what we need to be honest about. The earth is moved. The earth has given way. The mountains have moved. Everything that you used to stand on and walk on, it's gone. Your, your calendar, you can't predict. Your routine that says, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to go to work. You can't go to the gym because it's closed. You can't go to work. They're telling you to work from home. Your friends that you want to hang out with, they don't want to leave their homes. Or maybe you can't leave your home. Your favorite restaurant, it's not open. Your favorite foods, you go to the grocery store. You can't buy something you want. Someone else has taken it all. Everything that we thought was life a week ago or a month ago, it's gone. And you can drive down the road if you can imagine a mountain scene and you're saying, well, you know, they may, they may remodel that building, but that's a mountain. That mountain will always be there. The mountains are gone. Everything that you used to wake up and just know, that's there, that's there, that's there, that's not changing. It's all changed. And the problem right now is that some of us, it's not the Christian identity that's at the top. See, I talked to some business leaders this week and and their Christian identity rose to the top and said, well, yeah, you know, hey, look, God called me into business, and uh, if God wants me to stay in business, he's going to take care of me. Yeah, it's our worst month, but we'll be okay. We'll figure this thing out. And, and so that identity was very different from the one who said, I'm a business owner. I have a right to be worried. The same thing that says, but I'm a this on the Enneagram, or I'm a that. I have a right to be worried about my mom because I'm a son, or, or whatever the story is. We've got to make sure that that's not the thing. And, and when you try to, to, to maybe talk to some people, as a, a couple of times this week, I would try to have a pastoral moment, and somebody would be panicking a little bit, and I'd remind them the Bible says something, or remind them of a verse that I hoped would have brought encouragement. And, and you sometimes hear this, well, well, I know, but. And the but is simply giving us permission to respond out of the other identity first. Well, I know God's word says that, but I'm a business owner who is not doing well. Well, I know God's word that says that, but, but I can see the ledger sheets. Well, I know God's word says that, but I'm, and you fill in the blank. You see, I think our Christian identity has to be the one to rule them all. I think of Lord of the Rings. You got to have one identity to rule them all. One of them's got to, I think of it this way. It's got to be the gatekeeper. Right? Because there, there are identities that want to come out in what we say and how we act and what we do. But the Christian identity has got to be the one that decides what actually gets out. Because we're all feeling and we're all thinking and we've all got concerns and we've all got some worries. But it's the Christian identity that's got to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And it's got to be the one that becomes the gatekeeper for what comes out. So I, I just I want to leave you with just a couple of really practical thoughts on how to... Make sure your Christian identity is thriving right now. Uh, the first one is, is don't isolate. Uh, don't isolate yourself. Like look, this week we've moved uh, our life groups online and, 
Uh, we, we had no idea what that was going to look like, and so I, I was doing my life group Monday night, and, you know, some people were just kind of watching. It was kind of hard to, uh, for some of them and the size of the group, uh, uh, group's rather large, to be honest, and it was hard to always chime in because you had to mute your mic or unmute your mic, and, and we discovered better ways to do that, but so there was one, one lady that never really heard from the whole time. There were a few that were really silent, and at the very end, she just chimed in on the chat and said, thank you. I needed this so much. And so we've got our groups that are moving online because we need to be together. Matter of fact, Proverbs says that he who isolates himself seeks his own destruction. I just want to encourage you, don't be alone. I know some of us, have, our first response was, you know, thinking this was a two-week thing because everybody says, hey, for two weeks we're stopping. And, and I hope. I would, I would love, I pray I would love to see it only last two weeks, but there's the possibility it could go a little longer. And, and so I want to, to just encourage you as a, a believer, don't isolate yourself thinking, well, I can isolate for a few more days. I can isolate for a few more days. Because the longer we stay isolated, then the fewer voices of encouragement that we're getting into our lives. The, the second one is I want to encourage you to consume the right thing. You know, as we do sit at home, I, I, I know a lot of us are looking at the news right now, and, and uh, you, you very well should. We actually had somebody this week, I heard a story of one of our pastors talking to someone who said, there's a pan what happening right now? <laughs> Look, you should know there's something going on. This is historic right now. This is a pretty big deal. Uh, there's, a, there's something happening. You should know about it, but it shouldn't rule you, right? You should know the news, but you shouldn't be consumed by the news, and if I could just give you this silly illustration, because I don't think you'll forget this, but, you know, when people burp, you know what they took in. When somebody right beside you burps, you look at them and go, ooh, man, you had a chili dog with onions. Like, you know, I mean, what they took in is what comes out, you know? And the truth is right now, everybody's burping. And so the question is, is what coming out of your mouth? Is it faith? Is it hope? Are we taking in the Word of God? Are we taking in encouragement more than we're taking in CNN or Fox or whatever your news source is? I don't care which one. What are we taking in? And, and what comes out will show what we're consuming the most of. And the last one is to shine. I just want to tell you, speak life. Smile. And when I mean smile, that's not metaphorical. Like smile. Let people see your teeth. Let them see there is something about your countenance that says, my God is on the throne. You know, I, I don't know what's going on, but I tell you what, my God is bigger than COVID-19. My God knows what tomorrow holds. Look, this is not the first pandemic our God has been through. This is not the worst thing that Christians have faced. God has this. Again, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but he does. And we need to put our smile on our face, not because of our knowledge of tomorrow, but because of our knowledge and faith in him and who he is. Because I want to tell you something. History has proven this time and time again. God uses crises to get people's attention. When the world is falling apart, when the earth has given way, when the mountains have moved, people stop and go, is there a God? My God. And they reach out for God. And what they need right now in this world is to find a faith-filled believer with a smile on their face to say, let me help you. Because I can tell you, we have a good God. And tomorrow is going to be good because we have a good God. If Christians have 
a sovereign God on the throne. If Christians believe that leaving this world only leads to a better reality, and yet it's those same Christians that are filled with anxiety and worry and fear, then what message do we actually give to this world? So I just want to encourage us. Let us be people who go to God as our refuge. Like the psalmist said, let's go to him and say, God, you are my safe place. My safe place is not my schedule. It's, it's not in my hand sanitizer. It, it, it's not in, in where I go and what I do. And look, all of those things are wisdom. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. We've got hand sanitizer stations like all around the offices and everything. And I, I make staff members use it before and after every time they talk to somebody, if they didn't touch them. I, I'm not saying to not be wise. I'm just saying our refuge is not even in our wisdom. Our refuge is in God alone. He becomes our strength. And, and when we do that, then... We can become people who respond different from the rest of the world. We become people who are not driven by what we feel. And we become people that can show faith and hope to a world that, that is looking for it and doesn't know what it looks like. They can't find it from within, but they can, they can see it in us. I honestly believe this is our time to shine. I believe God has put the church in a position that, that right now churches are going into living rooms like never before. It's reaching people that, that they would never reach because used to people would have to get in their car and drive somewhere. There are people internationally that are able to watch a worship service that they could have never seen before. God is going to use this. And I absolutely believe if the church will respond, if we can be faith-filled believers with smiles on our faces, declaring our God to be good, that we will come out of this crisis with more people headed to heaven than when it began. That's what I believe God wants to do. And that's what I know God can do. We simply have to live in such a way that everybody else says, I want what you have. There's a pandemic, and look at you. That's right. Look at me. What's the picture the world is seeing of you on this wild ride right now? Look, I, I'm just going to tell you, I think at a time when it's maybe even impossible to go to church, more than ever, we absolutely have to be the church. This is our time to shine. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much that you are on your throne. I, I never could wake up and, and venture out into a world that I had thought you had taken your hands off of. You are sovereign, and God, we cry out to you right now and say, God, move upon this earth. God, we would ask you to be merciful towards what is happening on the earth. We would ask you, God, to bring about an end to this virus, COVID-19. God, we, we pray that there would be a, a, a medical answer or just a miraculous end. God, whatever you want to do, we pray that you would be merciful upon the earth. God, we pray during this season that you would draw many to you. We pray you will use this time to encourage believers to stop and make sure they're not acting like the rest of the world and that you would draw those in the world to become followers of your son. I pray the truth of your love and the truth of the sacrifice of Jesus would be known all around the world and there would be many, many, many to come into the kingdom because of the circumstances that we face today. As a matter of fact, if you'll just continue praying with me. I want to specifically help those of you that right now say yes. I want to respond to Jesus. I want to know what Jesus has done for me. See, here's the simple way to explain it. God is perfectly holy and we're not. And God knowing that we could never 
attained to a holiness worthy to be with him, sent his son to live a perfect life so that when he was crucified, his blood didn't have to pay for his sins. Instead, his blood paid for ours. And because of his death, you and I can be forgiven. And because the Father raised him supernaturally through that power, you and I can experience that power and have eternal life forever in perfect unity with the Father. And if you have never accepted that free gift, then I want to help you do that right now. Just right where you are, join me and say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you will fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church/resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.